So Luke 15, 11 to 32. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money in prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf? His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Amen. Now, this morning is our last Sunday of our month of celebration, and we've had lots to celebrate in this past month, none more so than this morning uh, with our baptism and our uh, new members. And I'm sure that those who have taken part in the Alpha course uh, are looking forward to their celebration meal uh, tonight uh, as well. We have had 44 people uh, who have been involved in Alpha at one level or another, which has been wonderful. Now, as well as our Harvest Thanksgiving and our dedication service, including having the Boys Brigade with us, uh, we have been thinking about this idea of celebration. 
And a couple of weeks ago, we thought through the first two of these very famous parables in Luke chapter 15 by thinking about the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And today, just for a very brief time, because I realize time is running on, uh, and, well, you did have an extra hour in your bed last night, so you'll be fine this morning, won't you? We're going to think about the final parable of this trilogy, and we're going to think about the, the parable of the lost son. And this picture behind me uh, is a picture uh, of, a, uh, a sculpture, a picture of a sculpture uh, of the lost son uh, coming home to the father by someone called Charlie uh, Mackesy. In many ways, this story, the story of the prodigal son, the lost son, uh, is uh, the most famous parable, isn't it? Indeed, it's probably one of the most famous parts of the whole Bible. Now, there's so much in this parable this morning, so much packed in, that we can't possibly think about every aspect of it uh, today. We focused a little bit about the father's yearning love for the son with the children this morning and his forgiveness and his grace. Because that's a wonderful picture, isn't it, in the story that you see uh, in that sculpture. Uh, The son who's been away in this wild living, who suddenly comes back to his senses, who comes all the way back to the father, thinks he's going to be made a servant, but there's his father looking, watching, waiting, running, embracing, and saying, son, come home. I love you. It's wonderful, isn't it? But what I really want to do focus on this morning is on the idea of celebration in this story and also to think about the older son, to think about the older son. You see, remember when we looked at the end of the the parable of the sheep, that Jesus says at the end of that parable, he says, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. So right at the end of that parable, Jesus says, there is rejoicing. There is celebration. And at the end of the parable of the lost coin, Jesus says, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So I want you to notice again, there is rejoicing over a sinner who repents. Now, I wonder if you noticed in the parable of the lost son that Katrina read for us this morning, that at the end of that parable, Jesus doesn't make the same comment about angels rejoicing as he does in the first two parables. Did you notice that? In the first two parables, Jesus tells the story and then makes this comment. But in this last parable, Jesus tells the parable with no end comment. You notice that? And instead, the celebration part is within the framework of the parable. You see, after the young, younger son has come to his senses and has decided to come home, the father who's clearly been looking out for his son is filled with love and compassion, runs to the son and embraces him. And though the younger son tries to get out his words of repentance and say, I'm unworthy to be a son of yours, the father so filled with love and grace, is so excited to have the younger son return. And so he says, well, put a ring on his, on his finger, get the best robe, get the fattened calf, we're, we're going to celebrate. He's so delighted that the son has come home. 
and the party begins. Now that's a picture for all of us who have come to God through Jesus. You see, who is worthy before God? None of us. Who's perfect before God? None of us. But it's at the very point that the younger son acknowledges that he is not worthy to be a son. The very point that he acknowledges that he needs the Father. That he comes into the presence of God and there is a party. God is a party lover. Did you know that? And you know something? I bet that party was a far more wonderful one than the younger son enjoyed in his wilder days. But that's what happens in heaven when a sinner comes to God. There is rejoicing when one person puts their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Now, of course, it might have made sense, mightn't it, if the parable had ended there, but it doesn't. Because in the last eight verses, we have this dialogue with the older son. You see, whilst the younger son has asked for his share of the inheritance and has been living wildly, the elder son has been at home and he's been working away. But then, suddenly, one day, we don't know how long this period was, he hears this music and he hears this dancing, if you can hear dancing. And he asks, well, what's going on? He's just coming in from the field and something's going on in the house. What's going on? And he hears about this party that's going on because his brother's returned. And he's not chuffed. And maybe as we read this parable this morning, we're kind of like, well, I, get, I get what you mean. That's not great, is it? And this elder son, he's so angry, he won't go into the house. And the, the father has to come out. And the elder son airs his grievances with the father who comes out to him. He's not happy. And so the father has to explain to him that we had to celebrate this happy day. Your brother was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. You see, as well as this parable being, the, being called the, the prodigal son or the lost son, it could easily have been called the forgiving father or the begrudging brother. Because in this parable, it's all about the different reactions to the return of the lost son. The key reaction, of course, is the reaction of the father who's excited, who's thrilled to have his son back. But what about the elder brother, the begrudging brother? You see, I want you to notice something about this story. I wonder if you noticed this. At the beginning of the story, the younger son is outside the father's house. He runs away. But by the end, where is he? He's in the house. The elder son is in the house for the whole parable. But where at the end of the parable is he? He's outside the house. Do you see the contrast? Those who were out are now in, and the one who was out is now uh, who was in is now out. It's amazing, isn't it, to think about. The one who is not worthy is now in the house. The one who's been there the whole time is now out of the house. Now, in many ways, the parable ends in a cliffhanger. Because we don't know, after the father explains the situation to the elder son, 
There's the father, the elder son, who's in a total grump about his younger son or younger brother coming back. And the father's saying to him, look, we had to celebrate that he's back. It's wonderful that he's back because the father's showing grace. But we're left with a cliffhanger, aren't we? Because what's the elder son going to do? Is he going to come into the house and celebrate? Or is he going to stay out in the field and mope? What's he going to do? Now, of course, that cliffhanger right at the end of chapter 15 brings us back to the opening verses of the chapter. Because remember, who is Jesus addressing this parable to? He's addressing it to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are upset that Jesus is spending time with tax collectors and notorious sinners. And what does Jesus say in this parable and in the other parables? He is saying that tax collectors and sinners are welcome. That's what he's saying. He's saying they are welcome. That the Father is willing to receive all those who will come to him in repentance and faith. So if you're here today and you don't think you're good enough for God, you don't think you've lived a good enough life, or you've done things in the past that you're ashamed of, then welcome. God is looking for people like you. And the gospel is for you. And the Father is watching. And He's waiting. And He is willing to receive you. Just like He did in our picture of that sculpture there with the younger son. Because the reality is that we're all the prodigal son. All the prodigal daughter. We're all sinners who need God's grace and love. You just need to make your way home. Are you willing to do so? There's also a warning here at the end of this parable, isn't there? You see, the Pharisees and the religious leaders are the older brother. And as the father leaves the older brother with a question, So we are left with a question. If we're a Christian here this morning, are we going to come into the house and celebrate God's grace? Or are we just going to stay outside and moan? What are we going to do? Do we rejoice when others put their faith and trust in Jesus? It ought to be something that we celebrate. You say, what did we learn from the other parables? There is joy in heaven at one sinner who repents. And therefore, we should rejoice too. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this parable this morning. And in many ways, we've just scratched the surface. But in this parable, we see, Lord God, your fatherly love. How even though the younger son had turned away, gone off into a wild living, that, Lord God, you were still watching and waiting and longing for him to come home. And when he came to his senses, he came home. And you accepted him, Lord God, not as a servant, but as a son. And that's a picture for each one of us, Lord God. There's nothing so bad that we can do that makes us beyond your grasp. 
beyond your reach. And Father, I want to pray for anyone here this morning who feels like they could never come to faith in you. They could never know the joy of eternal life because of stuff that they've done in their life. Father, we thank you that when we come before you in repentance and faith, when we ask for your forgiveness, then that forgiveness is total and complete. And that you accept us as sons and daughters adopted into your family. Father, may we be found rejoicing in you this morning. But Father, we pray that we would also not have the same attitude as the older son, a picture of the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law who couldn't believe that Jesus was spending time with sinners. Father, we recognize that the church is not here for those who think they're righteous. It's a hospital for those who are sick. And Father, we pray that as a church that you would help us to to reach out, to be gracious as you are gracious, to be loving as you are loving, and that many in our community might put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus for themselves. So, Lord God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.